Hello and welcome to Ebi Gore. Damien here with Tris and we're back for another movie. Oh yes, and what have we got this time, Damo? Well, this time we've got Halloween 9, which really isn't Halloween 9, it's Halloween <laughs> 1, because this, <laughs> this is a remake, Rob Zombie's remake. Indeed. It is. Looking forward to talking about this one. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel, guys, for all the content that we put out there. And also, I'm maskless today. I was just going to say, we do have to discuss the elephant in the room today. Well, you, you're <laughs> we're not in the same place, but look at look at the baby face. Look at it. He, he is maskless. He can actually drink a brew properly. No he straws. isn't needing a straw to drink his cup of Yorkshire tea. Look, yeah. Look. How young does he sound? Well, he makes me look old. Fuck me. Well, the theatrical reason is that I've had an exorcism and that the evil spirits <laughs> of the skeleton and of the neon maniac have been expelled from my body, allowing me to roam free. The real version is I couldn't get the audio right with the mask on. <laughs> Technical <laughs> difficulties. Yeah, speaking of which, <laughs> sorry to any of you guys that have been listening or watching recently. The audio has been pretty shit, especially from my part. So away with the mask on with a new microphone and hopefully things should sound a lot more clearer now testing one two yeah look at that i, I still can't get I, I can't get over the baby face that's it you get to look at my ugly mug now you lucky bastards <laughs> two for one <laughs> two for one so yeah number <laughs> nine number nine of this dear dear franchise of ours did you ever think you would get balls deep in halloween up to the ninth movie Do you know what series? before we started this i didn't actually know there was nine movies let alone more than that no, I bet you wouldn't. 12 no, no. today. We are literally, we are balls deep in this right now. We are. What a disgusting <laughs> analogy that, that we set off there. I will say, I think this is the first time I've watched them back to back. I've watched a lot of them a lot of times, like over the years. But this is the first time like I've sat down and continually watched these back to back. And it's a fucking hell of an experience. There's definitely some ups <laughs> and downs, right? Oh, you're not kidding. Probably more downs with some of the more later ones that we've watched. But yeah. There's definitely some ups and downs, but definitely a Halloween roller coaster, that's for sure. Yeah, and I have officially calmed down after Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> it took me some time. Yeah, you, you were pretty uh, on the boil, shall we say. I was pissed, man. I mean, it's not just a bad movie, because I can live with that. I love bad movies, from B-movies to exploitation flicks, I love them all. But Resurrection, it's not just a bad movie. It's it's an insult to the franchise, to the original even to horror movies, it's just a cash grab. And I hate movies like that. It just didn't do it for me. But I'm again, I'm over it. I'm ready to tackle the next movie in the hopes that once again... You've, you've had your see, therapy. Yeah, I'm looking to see greatness again. I'm hoping that we're going to get it from this one. We'll, we'll get into that. So as I said, Halloween 9, which is Halloween 1, after Resurrection bombed, and rightly fucking so, Dimension were at a bit of a loose end about what to do with Michael Myers. And at the time, there were talks about crossovers, you know, because Freddy versus Jason came out and was fucking huge, despite it being of questionable quality. But, um, well, they floated the idea of Michael Myers versus Pinhead, so Halloween versus Hellraiser. For sake. <laughs> I think it would have been shit. But I, I, mean, I like yeah. the idea of Michael being portrayed as this kind of deviant serial killer that like opens the lament configuration by some issue and then this whole cat and mouse thing between um michael and pinhead i mean it'd have been a fucked on better than freddy versus jason <laughs> i mean the thing that that sort of sticks in my mind and i'm not educated on it all but just it's mainly from what you've sort of like said over the past few podcasts and stuff like that dimension they like to send stuff to like straight to video stuff yeah. like that they, they pretty much bastardize most franchise 
Well, Hellraiser, um, speci- yeah, definitely Hellraiser. Yeah. They, they really did a number on Hellraiser, which is why I'm kind of glad it never came to fruition. Because as, as you rightfully said, you know, Dimension. They didn't have all the big franchises, but, you know, the ones that they did have, and, and Hellraiser is probably the front runner. They they really put some shit out on that franchise. It's just a shame because I'm a huge Hellraiser fan, as you know. Yeah, you are. Um, but um, yeah, and by the way, if we ever if that comes up next on the randomizer, mate, you're in for a fucking shock. <laughs> you think you think Revelations is bad? You wait till you see Hellraiser Revelations. That is uh, that is completely that's a completely different beast to Resurrection. They also talked about bringing Jamie Lloyd back in something called Halloween Bad Blood. Now. How we'd have done that after she died so very definitively in Halloween 6, I don't know. But Well, I it's mean, Halloween. You know, they can rewrite that's... any ending to any story and bring anybody back. They've done it for Michael enough times. And Loomis as well. Yeah. So, and you know, Loomis. who knows? But yeah, thank God they didn't go down that route. Yeah. They, they even considered a sequel to Resurrection, which... Fuck. We all know sequels generally are, are bad enough. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hate remakes. I, I really do. I have a thing about remakes, and I actually can't recollect any remake of a movie that is actually better than the original. Genuinely can't. Not, um, not off the top of my head, anyway. The Hills Have Eyes remake in 2006, I think, is head and shoulders above the original. I, I'm not sure you've seen that one, but... Uh, no, I haven't. It's fucking great. I hope we get... I could really do with revisiting Hills Have Eyes, so I hope we get that franchise next. I've seen, but yeah. seen the original, but not, not the remake. Oh, I don't like the original. But any, that's... I shouldn't be giving ratings on other movies in this franchise. But yeah, so the sequel to Resurrection, they was going to have Michael kill Buster Rhymes' character, which would have been an emotional devastation to all of us, seeing how deep a character fucking Freddy, whatever his, whatever his name was. That, um, that's just a, that would have just been a Kung Fu movie, right? Because yeah. Because you watch Kung Fu been, movies. Yeah, it had just been a martial art movie. Uh, but then the <laughs> idea the was... Dragon. Enter the Dragon, Enter the Mayan. Yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, then the idea was to get hunted down by Laurie Strode's son, which, based on Josh Hartnett's performance in H2O, would have been shit as well. Yeah, you know, maybe it'll have been listed the help of some Pearl Harbor planes, or, yeah, acting yeah, would have been good. I feel I was too harsh on Josh Hartnett, because he did... He you went really on were. To be very, he went on to be very good, though. Like, he was bad in H2O, but he went on to be quite a good actor. Yeah, in some of the other stuff that he did, but I know it was like a first film and, and stuff like that, but he was terrible. Terrible. It was, it was just very stiff. It was awful. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very poor. Uh, but he's gone on to do some really good stuff. So, you know, some really big movies as well. So credit to him for clawing himself out of that shit pile of acting that yeah. he did. Good for you, Josh Hartnett. Good for you, Josh Hartnett. You have if our endorsement for winning out life. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he is. He's doing better than us. So let's, let's <laughs> but yeah, uh, all this creative excrement aside. It was all unfortunately halted, all the creative ideas, when Mustafa Akkad was killed in a bombing in Jordan when he was at a wedding. Now, it's got to be said that we didn't know him personally and we don't know anything about him as a person, but to Halloween, Mustafa Akkad was such a huge part of the franchise and creating it to be what it was. You can't deny that he had an incredible vision right from the early days of the original and getting John Carpenter on board. And being that driving force in, into making Halloween into the monster of modern cinema that it is. So you can have nothing but respect for that. No, not at all. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely. Can't you, you cannot dispute that. Yeah. And his son, uh, Malik Akkad, he took over as executive producer going forward. So it's nice that Keeping there's a kind of... the family. Yeah. I like that there's some lineage in there. It's it's nice. It kind of... I like seeing the Akkad Keeps the, name keeps the pedigree. It does, yeah. And he wanted to do something different when he came on board. 
holy fuck, did he succeed? Because firstly, he got Rob Zombie to direct. So I wanted to ask you, Tris, what do you know about Rob Zombie or or Robert Zombie, as his mother calls him? <laughs> Sunday name. <laughs> um, I think think to me, I never actually think about the film side of it. I knew he directed some Halloween movies further down the line. But to me, as a musician, that's what I know the name as. Yeah, I know the name as a musician, you know, the whole rock horror theme that he, he has going. Kind of competition, if you like, or not really competition, but similar sort of genre as Alice Cooper, that type of thing. Yeah, the whole very theatrical so, yeah. side of it. Uh, that's what I know him from. I, I ha- literally have nothing to say about the movie director side of things. It's pretty much the musician. Are you a fan of his music? I am. I mean, Dragula's a jam, right? Dragula's an absolute classic. It's rock. What's not to love? You know full well I'm into my rock music, so, you know. I do feel like once you've heard one Rob Zombie song, you've heard every Rob Zombie song. Same with White Zombie, the band he was in before. I kind of feel like they were all that post-grunge, punky, industrial rock type thing that I really like, to be fair. Yeah, that was my introduction to Rob Zombie was the music as well, being being a little mosher growing up and, and then finding his movies. Halloween wasn't the first movie I saw. From Rob Zombie. I know you said you've not seen many Rob Zombie films. I've seen probably all of them. <laughs> and there's an absolute... That doesn't surprise uh, me. No, there's a mixed bag. But the first one the first one I'd seen was House of a Thousand Corpses. Recommend you check it out anyway. So he'd done House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects, which is a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses, which is an awesome movie as well. And so Malika Card got him on board to do Halloween. And the thing about Robert Zombie is Robert Zombie loves the texas chainsaw massacre like a lot of us but he really likes the texas chainsaw massacre what a surprise so much (laughs) that every movie that he makes feels like it could be in the same universe that leatherface (laughs) inhabits it really is and that's what you get with the original firefly trilogy which is house of a thousand corpses devils rejects and three from hell but unfortunately that sentiment also exists with his version of Halloween. Now, before we go ahead and just fucking dive into Halloween, Trish, do it, man. Do the public service announcement. The public service announcement. <laughs> this is a service announcement. Uh, no, uh, we do do spoilers on this show, guys. Ladies, gentlemen, people of non-binary gender. You know, if you've not seen this, if you're looking forward to looking at it, go check it out. Pause the podcast here because we're going to tell you. We do spoilers. That's all you need to know. I think it's important to say, and I think it's fair to say that this movie is a million fucking miles away from the original John Carpenter classic. His movie is all about the boogeyman slowly stalking young teens for reasons unknown. I say that's a fair assumption. Stalking teens, serial murderer. In Rob Zombie's version, there's absolutely nothing left to the imagination, like nothing at all. What do you no. think about giving Michael a backstory? You know what my thoughts yeah. are on horror and how I like the realism and how, how I like some reasoning behind things. So when we watched this, I was not expecting any backstory. I would say right off the bat, I hate remakes generally. I've said it already. So I was not expecting anything decent from this. But that first 25 minutes was a massive surprise to me when we actually gave Michael a full backstory. I was surprised. I really, really like it from my perspective. I loved it because it actually gave some substance to Michael as a character. It explained why he was like he is, the journey that he's been through to turn into fucking crazy Michael Myers. It also, as I'm sure we'll talk about, Mm. it has some very nice little links into various different parts of the Michael Myers character. So the mask, for example, it's not just something which is an afterthought, which he steals 
it's a personal token in this one. I quite like that. It builds the character. Let's talk about that. I mean, Rob Zombie dedicates a large part of its story and its runtime to the backstory. It's almost a fucking prequel. It's that long. Which is good. But something Rob Zombie tends to do is throw out the worst characters ever. I don't think he's ever really written a genuinely nice character. Not a fucking one is a bona fide salt of the earth nice character. Or in one, which may be in this movie, which we'll get to. But Michael Myers, original Michael Myers, kills his sister in a seemingly nice family home for absolutely no reason. And a lot of people love that because it's like, why? And it creates that sort of boogeyman. Mythos, a lot of people dislike this movie for that same reason. I don't know what side. I kind of, I, I don't mind it. But in this one, he's from a broken home. His stepdad is a vile, shithead, deadbeat loser. But he's a blueprint for a Rob Zombie character. As you see more Rob Zombie movies, you will see that this is a blueprint for how he is. He doesn't work. He threatens his girlfriend constantly. He's homophobic about Michael. He even pervs on his girlfriend's teenage daughter in front of her. He's oh, an yeah, absolute from, shitbag. Yeah, and he's from the deep south of USA, from Texas, presumably. He's gross. But if somebody asked me to explain to them what a Rob Zombie movie is, I would just say, go look at this character. That That's a Rob Zombie movie. Like he says, um, when he's checking out Judith Myers, he says she's got a nice little dumper. Fucking it's up. like saying you've got a nice arse, but I acknowledge that you shit out of it as well. It's it's <laughs> fucking grim. Like, have you ever said she's got a nice dump? No, you don't want to think about stuff like that. So we've got the asshole stepdad, the bitch sister, because she just comes down and she doesn't want to eat eggs because they're chicken abortions. And she just seems to have one setting, which is full on angry. Angry teenage. Ang- and what is he doing when we first meet Michael Myers? Which one? What's who doing? The little baby or... No, I mean Michael. The young man that stood over by the sink. He's scalping the shit out of his pet rat. That's that's kind of a straight for the jugular, isn't it? Because like I say, yeah. it's it, very gory. It's intimating right. Yes, yeah, it's intimating right at the start. This kid's got some issues. I love how calm he is afterwards as well. He's like, yeah, my pet rat died. I had to clean him up. Fucking blood all over yeah. his hands. Scalping the shit out of it. <laughs> it just died. Yeah, You killed it, dude. That's a very Texas Chainsaw Massacre sentiment as well. Like that kind of thing would just go hand in hand with any any Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. And of course, we meet Sherry Moon Zombie, this time playing Michael Myers' mum and local stripper. Yeah. And again, you've not seen many uh, Rob Zombie movies. You will not know that if you're watching a Rob Zombie movie, you're watching a Sherry Moon Zombie movie because he has a star <laughs> in every single movie that he's ever done. That's straight. Every single movie he's ever done, she stars. He puts his wife in literally everything he does. And it's a major bone of contention with a lot of horror movie fans because they say she's not so great of an actress. And nearly every movie that he does, it's a competition to see just how naked he can get her, which is really weird. I don't really mind too much. I think she's fine. I think she's fine as an actress. she's She's pretty decent in this one. Having not known that before, obviously doing a little bit of research on the cast and stuff like that, I wouldn't have known. She's not out of place, so I've got no issues with She's all right in most of And I think he obviously loves his wife, and they're doing what they love together. I don't think there's anything that wrong in putting... I mean, Mike Flanagan does the same with his wife. Albeit she's an excellent actress. I just think a lot of people don't like the amount of times he uses her and sometimes just forces her into the plot, which we see in other movies. But she's awesome in, in House of a Thousand Corpses. is one of the major reasons I went back to that movie as a young teen. She's very... Oh, beautiful. yeah. When I was a teenager, I'd, yeah, I crushed on her very hard. Michael also collects dead cats, seemingly, because he gets pulled up at school after he's yeah. um, 
caught fighting with the bullies. Every character's an asshole. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In this movie, you can, everything is dysfunctional. It is classic textbook. Tortured kid. He's bullied at school. He's got a horrific home environment as well. His mum's a stripper. She's a bit of a whore. His dad's a ratbag, drunk, lech. I'm not sure she's a bit of a whore. I wouldn't say that. Maybe not, but maybe that was a bit... Just because you're a stripper doesn't make you a whore. That's true. That's true. I I apologise to all of the strippers uh, out there. (laughs) She might not be a whore, but she is a really bad parent because like, they pull this dead cat out of the bag and she's like, so he found a dead cat? And they're like, yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, if that were my kid found a dead cat and just stuffed it in a bag. I'm not really sure I defend that. I mean, that's pretty bad, right? <laughs> I'm not a massive cat fan, don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a dog fan, but hey-ho, it's still a bit wrong. And she doesn't even speak to him about it later on, does she? She just like says, oh, I shouldn't let you go trick-or-treating at all after the shit you pulled at school today, as if it was just like getting caught smoking behind the bike sheds or something. No. He found a cat and mutilated it. Redonkulous. <laughs> So later on, Michael tracks down the bully and brutally beats the shit out of him. And it, in his oh, first murder, absolutely. which is a great kill. It, it is. And do you know what? This is the thing that I do take a little bit of issue with when it comes to this backstory is the fact that the kills are justified in some way. There, there is motive and you can appreciate the motive. I'm, I was bullied as a kid. I can't say, oh, I never thought about kicking the fuck out of my bully with a spade or whatever it was that he had. You know, th- there's some justification, some poetic justice in that kill, and some of the others as well. There's justification, and that's a bit. No, some- yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's exactly. I've got down on my notes here. Even though Michael has mutilated a rat, collected a dead cat, <laughs> said fuck you to the principal, killed a young bully. He's still the most likable character in this movie so far, by a long way. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Everybody else is pictured as the bad guy. There's a lot of justification in this early part of building the character, and I like the fact that they're building a backstory, but we're starting to feel sorry for him in the fact that he's got a shitty life, he's got a shitty backstory, and he's he's turning into this person that's seeking some revenge. That's the the downfall for me. Yeah, like an anti-hero. So, it's murder night now, it's Halloween, Mommy's got to go work, Big sister Judith wants some dick, so she ain't taking him trick-or-treating. So he goes by himself in his shitty little dollar store clown costume. Gets like some Do you know what? Bad... That clown mask, though. That clown mask. What about it? I'm quite freaked out by happy clowns. I, oh, I'm yeah. not scared to admit. They freak me out a little bit. That, is, to me, is more scary than the Myers mask. Yeah, Genuinely, it's creepy. I am a bit weird. It's not. I, I'm, not, I'm not scared by creepy clowns. They don't freak me out at all, but happy clowns. They should not be that happy. Yeah, what are they up to, creepy fuckers? Anyway, Michael notices that douchebag stepdad has passed out on the chair. So Michael wraps him up, as they all do. I mean, I've fallen asleep on the chair, pissed up many a time. Luckily, (laughs) nobody's ever tied me up with duct tape. But fucking duct tape, though. How good is duct tape? There's nothing that this cannot do. Can we just correct it right here? Duct tape, that's an American thing. Over here, mate, in Yorkshire, it's gaffer tape. Yeah, that's true. And there is nothing but better I'm than trying... you, you literally can't buy it in a supermarket without yeah. the cashier looking at you and going, the fuck you going to do with that? Especially if you put it on like the conveyor belt yeah. rope. They are not down with that. <laughs> Who would be down with that? I've done it many a time. I'm just climbing. Yeah, of course you are. We believe you. <laughs> Fucking psycho. So good for climbing, cables, drumskins, and holding your deadbeat dad in place while you slit his throat. And I bloody love a throat slitting. And his stepdad has to look into his eyes as he murders him. 
It's also the first kill that really does feel like Michael Myers. It's cold, it's remorseless. He looks like he knows what he's doing. I mean, I know he killed the kid earlier on in the day, but that was an emotional kill. There was anger in it. This one is cool, it's calculated, it's almost predatory-like. Yeah, that, that first one, it was pure emotion. It was pure, you know, retribution for what had been happening. It was in the moment. This one was premeditated. He strapped him up with gaffer tape, and he did a pretty good job, to be fair. He can come and strap down our wires when we do a gig. Perfect. Um, but <laughs> yeah, point, it, but also the effects were pretty good. The gore effects, you can tell the moving times, the ability and the effects that they come off now. The actual skin coming apart, it was very different primitive effects of the original one. Nice premeditated kill, I can't fault it. You got to yeah, see everything, it. enough time to appreciate the actual effect of the slicing of the throat. And also Michael's reaction, like you said, cold, no emotion, pure evil. Yeah, exactly. And now it's time for Judith's boyfriend. Now, in the first movie, he was much more of a love him and leave him kind of guy, one and done. But this time, we do get to see a lot more of him. Because instead of leaving the house in a hurry, this time he goes down to make a sandwich. Why not? Yeah, he's gone to make a sandwich. And then Michael picks up the baseball bat, which is, again, a really gory kill, like all the kills in this oh, movie. Best war yeah, in the franchise by far. Oh, yeah. He fucks the he's... shit out of him with a baseball bat. And it, you can see it coming as well. You know, the whole scene of him behind yeah. and you just know what's coming the fact that he actually came down the stairs and didn't look at the fact that the dad was literally gaffer taped to anything he had only one thing on his mind food yeah exactly it's very realist and then we've got the iconic judith myers kill and this is a really big difference to the original kill because bear in mind the original halloween starts from around here where michael kills judith now in this one he goes he picks up the mask which Judith's boyfriend, the original Shatner mask that Judith's boyfriend had brought with him as his Halloween mask, which is, again, I know you quite like that, don't you? Because it feels a bit more organic to find the mask there rather than to randomly break into a into a joke shop like in the original. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I like how it comes about. I, I like the fact that it's a, there's a personal connection to him later on in the fact that he goes it back feels to random, and that's why we... we yeah, but it, it does feel a little bit random that, you know, Jesus Christ, the boyfriend just brings this this random mask and that's all. I mean, I don't know any of the history behind the mask. I've not been that <laughs> infused to actually look it up, but there is one thing which I, I want to ask. And did you notice the t-shirt that he was wearing? Was it a kiss t-shirt? It was a kiss t-shirt. And I know about your love of kiss. Is there well, something not only the to be a little bit worried about and I the... need to tell your missus about? She knows I love kiss. We've been to see kiss two or three <laughs> times together. But the, the intro song to the entire movie is God of Thunder by Kiss. Like yeah. it's not the Halloween thing, it's fucking do 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 big tune. Yeah, it's, not, it's yeah, a nice nod. Yeah, it's a great soundtrack, this one. Less Halloween synthy stuff, but you've got Rush, you've got Nazareth, you've got Kiss. I'm sure there's some Rob Zombie thrown in there as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of this first part is very night and day from that original, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing better than him using the boyfriend's head as a pinata. He goes for it. Yeah. Nice gore and, after um, as well. Very nice gore. And in this movie, the kill of Judith is very weird because Michael gets really creepy and starts stroking her while she's naked, which is a bit weird. And so she wakes up and starts <laughs> slapping him. And then he, he stabs the shit out of her. He starts slashing at her. She doesn't die right away. She crawls around a oh, bit, no. bleeding she, and screaming. She like walks out, doesn't she? It's like time for the kill, but she's trying to escape and he's not going to have that. No, he's not. He doesn't have it one bit and he catches up to her and just slices the hell out of her. But they do let us know that the baby lives. I mean, it's very obvious. Um, we all know at this stage that it's going to be Laurie Strode because this movie yeah. follows the canon 
like Halloween 2, but Laurie Strode is Michael's sister. But it's brutal. But it, yeah, but it also shows that human side to him as well, doesn't it? That, you know, he's down with the baby. He's not going to go that far. He's not created that monster yet. He is not the Michael Myers we know, the character, the... Yeah, good for you, Michael. You didn't kill a baby. Well done. You didn't kill a baby. Well done. I know it's it's frowned upon, but you know what I mean? I think it's more than frowned upon. But but yeah, it's brutal, it's nasty, and it's a million miles away from the original. It's also, like you say, half an hour or so into the movie, and we're only just getting to where the first movie started. And then there's this whole scene of Sherry Moon Zombie stripping to Love Hurts by Nazareth great song <laughs> which great is, song. It's, it's a great song but is that a song to strip to really i mean i'm not an expert i'm not a connoisseur of strip clubs but that's such a depressing song don't like, lie don't lie you you must have frequented <laughs> some spearmint rhinos in your time genuinely not absolutely not but <laughs> even if i did like i wouldn't be expecting love hurts by i mean maybe that's why it's so fucking empty maybe because you're actually from sheffield and yorkshire you are just used to the full monty and that's what you imagine the strip songs. You can leave your hat on. <laughs> do, 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 do. Hot stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we better stop singing songs before we get pulled by copyright on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Michael is committed to the sanitarium pretty quickly. We see like news footage and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. I like the way that that transitions. And we see yeah. a lot of what goes off. Malcolm McDowell, I mean, we had a chat about this early doors. Malcolm yeah. McDowell is an absolutely inspired casting for Loomis. He's a, he's a million miles away from Donald Pleasance. He's so different, but he's got just as much gravitas as Donald Pleasance has. He's got that presence. Yeah, I mean, in the early stages when we actually see him sort of meeting Michael and stuff like that, is it is a bit of a you know rock star walks in with the glasses. Is a bit of a Mario sort of character with his his long hair, and it almost seems when you first see that image of him, you think, "What the fuck's going on here?" Yeah, yeah. Who the hell is this dude? And then it becomes quite apparent that it's Loomis and, you know, he's a, a child psychologist and good character. And, and I like the fact that we actually see him building his relationship with Michael over a period of time. We get that backstory to Loomis as well and where that relationship do, yeah. came from. And We get loads really of time, do like, don't we? We yeah, get loads we of do. time with Michael being interviewed by Loomis and Sherry yeah. Moon Zombie visits as well. Well, probably mum as he calls her, but to me, it's just Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> But yeah, it's all about building that character for Michael, how he transitions into that monster. And I really do like that backstory with him and Loomis and that relationship and that trust that they build and how that starts to break down. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that because I'm not as hard for the original. I mean, I do enjoy the original movie a whole lot, but I don't consider it to be one of the greatest movies ever. So getting that backstory between him and Loomis, especially when it's Malcolm McDowell giving such a great performance, it really adds a lot to the movie for me as well. And Michael, like you say, he does start to break down. He starts getting obsessed by masks, which is a really nice touch to the movie, I think. Very nice touch, yeah. Yeah. And also the fact as well that we're seeing two personalities. We're seeing the monster side of it, but we're also seeing the Michael that he has no thought process about what's actually happened. Yeah, he doesn't still remember it, does he? He's still a kid. But then we also start to see this monster creeping in. And exactly like you said, that obsession with masks starting to grow, where he starts to hide behind the manifestations that he creates. And I think the idea with the mask is that on some level, he knows that it's monstrous to do what he's doing. But when he wears the mask, that's almost like a surrogate or like he's disassociating himself. You know, yeah, like a lot it's, of serial killers. It's a, killers. It's a protection. Yeah, he's disassociating himself from the crime. I think as he gets more and more obsessed and he realises he's not getting out of the sanitarium, what's happening is he's the human side of him 
which is what is alluded to in the original movie, but we don't see it. What's happening is his human side is dying and all that's been left is just disassociative character that doesn't feel anything. And although a lot of people hate the idea of humanizing and hate the idea of taking away the mystery of the boogeyman, on another level, you've got the origin of evil. You see yeah. these hu- it's not so much humanizing, it's the dehumanizing. It's the dehumanizing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's and stripping it's great. away any human quality that is, is left in there and just leaving the monster. You're right, it's great. I love it. And that's exactly what was missing from the first one for me. We also get introduced to Danny Trejo, the janitor, who I love yeah. in absolutely everything <laughs> I've ever seen him in. He's, he the only, great. he's the only good character. Not just not good as in well-written. He's, he's the only nice character in this whole fucking movie and probably the whole Rob Zombie oeuvre. I don't know any other nice characters other than Danny Trejo. I, I love him in everything he's ever been in. You should see Machete is great in, Breaking Bad. He even does a bit on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's plays like that. He's fucking awesome. I love Danny Trejo. He's, he's great in this. He is great in this. And he's like trying to make that connection to Michael saying you can live in your head. But I think inadvertently he gives Michael license to start creatively making these masks and kind of starts the process yeah. of the dehumanizing. But he's still a nice character. He's definitely got best interests at heart. And Michael's still talking, still, at this time. He's getting him to shut the fuck up. That's the hard part in Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> That's another thing a lot of people don't like about this movie. I quite like the fact that he talks but until the, yeah. the masks really start playing a big part. I, I think it's up until the point where Loomis literally leaves him with the nurse. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but this kid is in there for murdering multiple people. Let's just give him a fucking metal fork and leave him with a nurse. Yeah, that would never happen in a real no. institution. Would no. I mean, a plastic fork is bad enough. We can still do damage with that, but a yeah. metal fork, you know, I'm almost surprised they didn't actually leave, you know, the chef's knife on for <laughs> it uh, to make it a little bit more effective. But that was the first point in this where I just thought, and you know what I'm like, and I've said it yeah, multiple yeah. times, for picking out these really stupid things that genuinely in reality wouldn't actually happen. That was the first one actually yeah, having well, this. Everything before that was <laughs> believable. There was no part of it where you thought, that wouldn't happen. There's no chance of that happen. But a metal fork and then he literally stabs the shit out of the nurse. He has a good go. Yeah. Big shout out to the nurse as well. That's Sybil fucking Danning. Who's, she was in a ton <laughs> of old school B-movies from like the 70s and the 80s, like Roger Corman flicks and stuff like that. She's an absolute legend in her own right. And you get legends like this peppered through this movie, which is such a great yeah. thing to see. Later on, Sherry Mooton Zombie shoots herself in the head because she can't yeah, take she- what he's done. And she leaves the baby all alone. And then we skip forward 15 years. Literally 15 years. And then we see Thor. We, we the, see. Yeah, holy fuck does he Thor. grow up. He what, the fuck are they, what the fuck are they feeding him in there? It's an asylum. <laughs> I mean, you imagine peace pudding and saveloys, you know, like Oliver. Not fucking protein shakes and chuffing yeah. literally if, 15 years of gym class. If you're expecting the shape to be the way he was in the original or in H2O, you're deeply mistaken. He is a shape. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's it's like a mountain stack. Yeah, he's, he's a literally mountain. a stack shape, and it's it's actually uh, Tyler Money, isn't it? That that plays Tyler it. Tyler Money, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's literally he's a wrestler, if I remember right. Ex-pro wrestler, yeah, ex-pro wrestler. If yeah. I remember rightly, I, the only thing I know him from is like Sabretooth from X Men. I never watched the movies, but I do, yeah, I know he's a big part I of that, yeah. I think he's also in Troy as well, but I, I can't actually never place the, the character that he, he plays in that. But yeah, God, he's a mountain. Michael Myers in this as an adult is even yeah, he's scary. Far more, far more physically intimidating than Michael Norm. 
dare I say, probably reminds people a little bit more like Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. So seeing as though we love Texas Chainsaw, not trying to drop (laughs) hints so much, but we know we love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Loomis pretty much gives up on him, being taken off Michael's case, and he's on a book tour now selling... Oh, I sell his story to the publisher. Yeah, again, because this is a Rob Zombie movie, we can't have Loomis being too much of a decent guy. He's got to be a, a dickhead <laughs> and go out and generally be a bit of a bastard. Bit of a bastard. But he's cut his hair and he looks far more like the silver fox that he's been for all these years. I've seen Malcolm McDowell in so many stuff, even in like really low budget that's been made on a shoestring. He will literally do anything for 50 quid, that bloke. And what the hell seen... happened in 15 years, though, to go from, you know, like full on Lothario, good hair, to that full oh, he's still, silver, he's still silver a very good looking older man. He's, he's a still very a handsome, handsome a... older man. He's a Scouser, you know. Is he really? Yeah, he's a very good need... Scouser. If he is, I need to find out if he's a blue or a red, because if he's a red, I am not going to give him any compliments, anything further in this podcast. If I he's a blue, him. however, fucking love the guy. I didn't check, actually. I know he's a scouser, but I didn't check where his football allegiances lie, which is usually <laughs> one of the first things I do to be, even if I do, to be fair. But yeah, it's been a few minutes since the last kill, so we need to crack on. Rob Zombie, brings in, Rob Zombie brings in some lovely characters, as he does. A janitor and his mate who are racist to Danny Trejo, which is a no-no. You don't fuck with Danny Trejo. He's an absolute fucking institution. But as well as being racist, they're also rapists. Yeah, hey. this was a bit of an uncomfortable part. For me, very and uncomfortable was, for a Halloween intended, movie. Yeah, it was intended to be that way, but the whole rape scene—they literally take this new female inmate who is at her most vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, and they march her into Michael's room, and the way that they play with him—we see quite a lot in this scene. It's very unusual for a Halloween movie. Very it goes brutal. on too long. I find the rape scene. Yeah, it, and a little bit too graphic for me mm. in terms of a slasher. It, it's a whole other avenue that, but. It gives justification for what happens afterwards. And exactly. Still an anti-hero at this point. Yeah. Anybody in the right mind, any decent human being would do exactly what Michael, especially with his strength and his physical side. There's a lot of slamming going on. But also you saying you like your realism. I mean, talk to me about realism because why would they drag? I mean, even if they were rapists, why would they drag it into this hulking monster of a man's cell to do it? Why would they do that? That's, yeah, that doesn't make I mean, any sense. No, it, it doesn't, especially knowing you know the size of him. But then again, up until this point, we're assuming that between him being a child and the last kill with a nurse, he's been a pretty good boy. Kind of catatonic, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, and he, he's, he's not spoken for 15 years. He's pretty into himself, keeps himself to himself, just paints his mask on. Fuck me, so many masks. Still, you don't poke the bear. Yeah, don't poke the bear with a rape. <laughs> yeah, don't uh, but... poke the bear with a... Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> don't poke the bear with a rape. <laughs> <laughs> we will be selling T-shirts from next week, ladies and gents. I will not be wearing that. <laughs> you can wear that one. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, I tell you... You, you, you get what yeah. I mean. Definitely what he does and the way that he flips out about that He's still very much a hero. He's flipped out for the right reasons. He's literally gone back crap crazy on these guys because they're taunting him. But not only that, they've just fucking raped this poor girl. At this point, I have absolutely no issue with anything that he's done. It's yeah, the I'm next exactly, part I take exactly. issue with. Just before we get into that, I do want to say there is a there are two versions of this movie. There is the theatrical cut and there is the unrated version. Now, you watch the unrated version, Tris. Yep. The theatrical cut, which I have seen, is very similar. I mean, there's 11 minutes of extra footage in the unrated, but it's mainly dialogue and extended scenes. But the major difference is in this scene here, because we had to reshoot, because this didn't do well with the test audiences. In the theatrical cut, he's in chains, 
and he's been escorted by four police officers because they're transferring him on Halloween because it's Halloween and it's Michael. And he escapes and he just brutally murders four or five of these police officers. We get a really nice cameo from Bill Mosley, a.k.a. Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It was also in the Firefly trilogy as well. But it's really brutal. I definitely prefer the theatrical. I know you've not seen it, but you know in Halloween 4 where he kills the entire police department? And I always yeah. and I said to you, I would have loved to have seen him do that. Well, in this, it's not an entire police department, but there's definitely between four and six police officers and he goes through them in a really brutal way. There's accidental shooting with a shotgun from, you know, him using uh, copper as a body shield. There's neck breaks, there's choking, he rips throats out of people. It's gory as hell. I take the theatrical cut of that over the unrated every day. Yeah, we, we just sort of see the aftermath of that, don't we? Fucking carnage. There's just blood everywhere and everything. But I think the, the thing that I took a little bit of issue was when he goes about the janitor. Up until that point, the janitor had only ever been nice to him. He was a nice yeah, exactly. character. But because he's still in this mindset of where he's flipped out because of these fucknuts that have wound him up, he, he literally he doesn't see the difference between them. And that is the point where he comes full circle and it becomes he the monster. Kills Danny Trejo. How fucking dare what? he? The only good-natured person in this entire movie, possibly Rob Zombie's entire back catalogue of movies. <laughs> he takes him under his wing early doors yeah. and then he pleads to Michael whilst Michael's drowning him and then a TV to the head. Welcome yes. to prime time, Danny. Do you know what? It, it was a very theatrical kill, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Oh, you can see what's what's going to happen. And what a monster of a TV as well. That was like a TV from yeah, my childhood. That, I've carried one of them buggers. That took an entire family to lift it. But yeah, it literally lifts it above his head. That, that's just carnage. So we do need this kill in the movie to establish that he is evil and that he's not just this anti-hero because everybody else up until now has been a dick. We've seen this backstory where we've seen this disturbed kid slowly become this unstoppable serial killer. And I think the movie does a really good job of hitting that home. I think they do a great, such a great job of that. And now he's got his freedom and he just needs a change of wardrobe. And we yeah. get that from Ken Foray. Now, Ken Foray, as I live and breathe, God is my witness. I have never seen Ken Foray in a movie that he didn't make instantly better being there. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Surprise, surprise. From Beyond, the OG Dawn of the Dead. Just don't think he was in enough things in the 80s and 90s. Like He, he was clearly the star of Dawn of the Dead, which is a good cast as it is, but he's the best thing in it. And he, he doesn't last long here, but it is a comedy. Yeah, you, you, you talk yeah, about it. I, I just love it. Like, he's the, is the hunk of sideburn truck of love. Uh, yeah, he's so, he's so good. <laughs> he's got that charisma, hasn't he? He's got such good charisma. Oh, Big yeah. Joe Grizzly. That's what we call him. He enjoys... Amongst other things, Taco Supremes and reading porn mags whilst taking a shit. I, I don't want to think about the grim logistics of looking at porn whilst taking a shit. I mean, dude, there's many places that a boner is not welcome. And whilst you're on the shitter is definitely one of them. Not a good thing. It's awkward. I mean, what if you click your dick on the porcelain? Like, it's an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> COVID. But, but he's wearing a boiler suit. So unfortunately, Michael needs to keep the plot going. But Jesus, I mean, Ken Foray didn't even get a chance to wipe his ass no, before I, he got up to this, fight. I think this kill is kind of important in displaying just how powerful Michael actually is. God, he, he's a big guy, isn't he? You know, and he's yeah, he's Ken a Foray's a big character. Guy. Yeah. And Michael dispatches him pretty much with ease. You see, literally beating the cubicle down. We know they're pretty flimsy anyway. You know, it's daunting to think that's how close you are to some other guy having a shit. 
yeah, it, it's pretty quickly, but it. yeah, it, it's not. But yeah, he dispatches of him pretty quickly and hence gets his brand new wardrobe, which if it follows the rest of the movies, he's going to keep for a whole eight. It gives a very clear message not to take a shit in a public toilet. I wouldn't anywhere be scared of people next door hearing me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone cries when we have a shit, don't they? Yeah, you keep believing that, mate. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, this is a pure violent kill, this one. And then we get to Haddonfield to meet our new yeah. Halloween characters. 54 minutes into the movie to get Michael <laughs> into... And you know, another cool thing I forgot to mention. Do you know, in the first movie, we both laughed and joked about how Michael learned to drive. Well, in this movie, he's clearly walked... Because when he's at the cubicle knocking on the door for Ken Frey where he's taking a shit, you see his, his sandals, don't you? His feet and he's yeah. like caked in mud. So and his the hands guys, as well. Yeah, so he's blatantly walked. He's not driven. He doesn't drive in this entire entire movie, I don't think. Yeah, but it's, but it's, it's 100 miles away. That's that's not possible. He can. He's still got his teleportation powers, hasn't he? <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. That's Boom. it. So as we get to Haddonfield, we meet Laurie Strode, not played by Jamie Lee Curtis, but by Scout Taylor Compton. Not quite the reserved but yeah. strong lady that we get in the original, but very a very, different. very Rob Zombie version, as she quickly makes a joke about being molested and finger fucks a bread cake to her mum. Yeah, it's a very different character to me. It's, you know, she's not the Laurie that we've come to know, love and respect up to this point from the previous ones. Totally yeah. different character, totally different. No, and the way that she talks when she's with her friends and stuff like that, I kind of feel that that's how Rob Zombie thinks teenage girls talk to each other. I'm not a teenage girl. I am many things, but a teenage girl is not one of them. And even I know teenage girls don't talk to each other in that way. Kind of got a vibe of a dude's version of what teenage girls talk about. But yeah, no, I, I totally get what you mean. It's very false. I don't like it. I don't like the way that Laurie is written in I don't. in this movie at all. It's not a good character, and she's certainly not the final girl that we've we've come to know and love. This was the point where I'd been so into it, and then when we meet Laurie, I'm a bit like, this is like a rewrite of a character that we've come to know and love. And I instantly True. took a step back. Yeah, I agree. But Michael goes back to his house to grab his mask and his knife, which is somehow being buried under the floorboards, despite a <laughs> massive... Yeah, despite a massive research going on, none of them seem to have checked his childhood home. I mean, the guy's just escaped from a sanitarium. You'd think one of them would have done a drive-by the old Myers place, but no, 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 no one's done that. The mask is phenomenal, though. Hands down, the best, best mask since the OG. Down, the best mask. I like the fact that it's been timed, so it has that decay, that old factor yeah. about it. It makes it authentic. It adds time and character to it. And yeah, I have to be honest, I really, really like that. Hands down, best mask that we've seen so far. Yeah. Put some mileage on there, don't they? And then we get the oh, Halloween yeah. theme kick in, which is decidedly lacking in this movie. Not that it's a bad thing. Kiss, Nazareth, some Rush. I'm a big fan of the soundtrack to this, much like you are. We also meet Linda, played by Christina Klebe, or Kleb, can't pronounce it. And Annie Brackett, oh, played yes. by who? She's back. She's back. Played by Jamie Lloyd herself. She's back. And I love that. I love the fact that she's back. She's given a character. She's all grown up. And she's all grown up. And yes, she's a different character. They brought Jamie Lloyd back, but something different. I I absolutely love it. Maybe a little bit too grown up, though. She's 30 years old playing this teenager. (laughs) Not that she looks it. She looks great. I think she originally wasn't going to get this role. Like Rob Zombie wasn't keen on bringing her back. The only reason she got the job was she agreed to show them titties. That's literally the reason. It's a really pervy no, way I'm, of I'm getting not, it. I'm not going to say that's a bad thing because, you know, I, I quite enjoy the titties. But 
you know, from a franchise point of view, we like Jamie Lloyd as a character. The yeah. fact that they brought her back. They could have possibly brought her back as Laurie. Probably would have been better. Well, that's what he wanted to do. But... Rob Zombie wanted to do that originally and have his wife as Linda, which but for some reason or other that never worked out. But I agree they could have. Brought... I, I, She'd have been a much likable Laurie. Yeah, absolutely. But I can also see why that would have been a problem for many hardcore fans of the franchise to see her in a different character. But yeah, I love the fact that she's back. It's great. And we'll yeah, talk true. about it later about that development of that character and, you know, the whole ending of her and everything else. But yeah, so yeah. far, love it. I like I it. I mean, from here, the movie's pretty much business as usual for a while. It's it's very yeah. similar to the original plot. Sheriff Brackett is played by Chucky, his fucking self. Brad Dourif, one of my most favourite actors. <laughs> I absolutely love Brad Dourif. Chucky. Podcast crossover. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he's Chucky. He's in The Exorcist 3 as a Gemini killer where he delivers some of the best monologuing you've ever heard. He's in Alien 4, which is not a great movie, but he is the best thing in it. He's, he's also just... got a very perfect handlebar moustache. Thing of beauty. People's opinions fall on various sides when it comes to this movie, but I would say that it's almost indisputable that getting Brad Dourif to play the sheriff is an upgrade on the original sheriff. No offense to the original guy that played Sheriff Brackett, but come on, it's fucking Brad Dourif. You don't get better than Brad Dourif. I know he's a bit of a, a stupid character, in, you know, as far as the law enforcement sergeants and that kind of crap goes, but it's much more believable. It's a better character all around. He's just a better actor. Even though his character doesn't get a lot of time to flex his acting muscles in this movie, but he just adds some... I mean, it could just be that he's Brad Dourif because I love his acting and love Child's Play and all that. I just feel that naturally everything he does is done with more conviction and a better quality yeah. style to him. And to be fair, he gets more screen time than the original Sheriff does. But we do get some good cameos in this movie as well. So we get Clint Howard, the ice cream man, Ron Howard's brother. He plays a small role as the steward at the hospital. We get Sid Haig, my lord and saviour, Captain Spaulding from the Firefly trilogy. Oh, and fucking Dee Wallace, you know, Laurie's mom, massive staple of 80s horror. And it's such a joy to see Dee Wallace. You don't see her in enough things these days, but she's, she's so fucking good. And then there's kind of minor differences in this from the original movie. So like Linda and fuckboy Bob decide to bone down at the Myers house instead of some <laughs> random people's. I think that makes more sense. Think back to when you were a teenager, like when you had a girlfriend, or even if you just wanted to go and smoke or have a few drinks, if there was an abandoned area to go to, you just went there. What you wouldn't do yeah. was go to some random people's house and go fuck in their bed. That's yeah. too risky. But if it was an abandoned house... Like, it makes more sense for them to go there as teenagers. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the kill that comes in that setting is quite a good one. I mean, tell me what you think about the kill of Austin Powers, as I'm going to call him. <laughs> Austin, yeah, the, uh, the glasses. No, I like it. I think it makes more sense for them to bump into Michael in the Myers house. It makes sense for Michael yeah. to be there. You could say it's stupid. Why would you go to that abandoned house? But I don't buy that for a second. Like I say, when you're a teenager, you would go there yeah, for some you, privacy you to the, do what you want. Yeah, you, you pick the place that people are most unlikely to go to to catch you doing what you need to do. Exactly. And it's an iconic kill. Michael tackles him. It's really quick. It's kind of a jump scare and then pins him to the wall with the knife. It's the iconic. That's one of the very few bits of fan service that Rob Zombie gives us in this movie where he pins him to the wall. It's still every bit of silly as the first movie like there's no possible way the knife could hold up a full-grown man 
it's that nostalgia yeah. and it, there's very very little of it in this movie thankfully there's very little of it in this movie as well because a lot of remakes tend to just throw loads of nostalgia at you rob zombie doesn't really implement a lot of nostalgia tactics in this movie but that one i think works really well yeah there's a, there's also a little bit of crossover isn't it? there's a bit little bit of the original halloween 2 that creeps into this movie as well such as unless i'm really wrong and i was watching a different movie but like the gravestone I uh, think from the cemetery was that not in that's, Halloween? That's, that's the original. No, that's the original. That. Is it the original? That's where, yeah, in in the first one, it's not made such a big deal. But when Loomis gets to the cemetery, he meets the graveyard guy and the grave. Oh, damn, kids! That's that. It's Michael. That's talking. yeah. It, it, I know I'd seen it in one of the other movies. But yeah. I couldn't really remember, and I just thought yeah, I seemed to recall it was was like, sort of like the second one. But yeah, maybe I was definitely wrong on that one. So he kills Bob. And then Linda still gets choked out, but it's way more brutal and a lot more nudity. Oh, yeah. Literally strangled the shit out of the trespassing bitch. Yeah, it does. It's pretty brutal, Um, like the majority of this movie. And then Laurie's parents get a lot more screen time in this movie, too. I mean, it's fucking Dee Wallace, so she deserves it. But it's not that much more because the dad gets slashed to fuck. And poor old Dee Wallace gets her neck snapped when Michael gets there and misses Laurie by seconds. I mean, Dee Wallace deserves a bit better than that. I think you're right. We also see Loomis gets his gun. Oh, he's six oh, real gun. Yeah, totally yeah, through so this. It, it, we literally see him buying... I mean, bearing in mind this is 2007, you ex, you're expecting a little bit better than the six real gun, but it's authentic. It's authentic Loomis. And as soon as you got that, I was thinking, at some point, that iconic line is coming six times. Never comes. Spoilers. No, Disappointment. We, yeah. <laughs> we get three times. It's not quite the same, is it? Although it's a, it's definitely an upgrade in this choice of weapon. I mean, it's a fucking three five seven Magnum. No background checks or anything. It's, it's a hell of a no, gun. Old, old school, but good. Not that I know anything about guns, but I've researched it, and apparently that's quite a powerful gun. I mean, it's no Dirty Harry's forty four Magnum, but it, it's probably... No, but it is Roger from Lethal Weapon. Is it? Same gun. Yeah. Is that his gun? Very, very, much, very much iconic. Love me some Lethal Weapon. It sticks to the storyline pretty well from here, except for the brutality. So Annie and Paul, who we do meet Paul this time because we never meet him in the original movie, but he gets attacked by Michael in a really, really brutal attack, possibly one of the most brutal parts of the movie. Paul gets stabbed, and then Annie gets chased topless through the house before being beaten and dragged off. Now, this is the scene that Danielle Harris got the movie by agreeing to do. Apparently, she wanted to do it as well. Because she came up as like a Disney child and then obviously did the little, the kiddie stuff and was known as a child actress. So she wanted to take this opportunity to say, I can do something different. And I know a lot of people think it's quite weird to see Danielle Harris like talking dirty and boobs out and all that stuff. I saw this film first before I saw the, you know, four, five and six. So it's not weird for me because I'm a male and was crazy in love with her when I first saw this movie in 2007. (laughs) So I saw her as a grown woman before I saw her as a kid. So it's not as weird for me. But I know a lot of people find it quite weird to see Danielle Harris Harris like I'm not sure how it is for you because obviously you saw her as a kid. Yeah, I mean, I've sort of seen seen these in order. It's not really an issue for me, to be honest, because she's playing a different character, so I don't really see her as, as Jamie Lloyd. She is literally, she, she's Annie. But one thing I do like about this particular movie is in the other ones, they gave Daniel Harris a bit of a disservice with the really yeah. shitty writing. With this one, she is, if it had been the original, she'd have been dispatched relatively quickly. In this one, they don't do that. They show her the respect that she actually deserves as an actress, and they don't kill her. They, they keep her alive. They use her as a pawn, and you know, I like that. 
Yeah, the act, she acts well as well. It's it's a very it must have been a really challenging scene to do, like sort of half oh, naked yeah. and screaming and being slashed up and stuff like that. It, it looks like a, a hard scene to do. And to be fair, she acts rings around Scout Taylor Compton, who does Laurie Strode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, brilliant actress. Um, yeah, she's really... She's... Really, really good performance, which we've said about the other ones when she was younger. So, yeah, you know, she, yeah. was, she was a very convincing character. And she does another good job in this one as well. But she's, yeah. she's not quite let down in this one like she was in the previous ones with the poor writing. Loomis struggles to get people to listen to his bullshit in this movie. In the original and all the Donald Pleasant's movies, everybody just does as he says without question. He literally as clicks he... his fingers and everybody's hypnotized. It's like they feel power. sorry for him. They're like, we need to kill Michael. And they're like, oh, it's just Loomis. Okay. Just do what he says. He falls asleep eventually. <laughs> just leave him. Just do what he says. It's fine. But this time, like Sheriff Brackett fucking hates him because he wrote the book and made all the money off of Haddonfield and, and Michael Myers and all that sort of stuff. So he thinks he's a dick. And because it's a Rob zombie movie, of course he is a dick because he's conniving <laughs> and all this stuff and that. Yeah, and then he kind of gets sent away from... He gets separated from Sheriff Brackett when they find Annie being slashed up and stuff like that. And that's when the climax begins, which is, I would say, is wildly different than the original. Yeah, I mean, it follows a similar kind of storyline, but the way that it's actually carried out is very different. In the original, Loomis was still quite a, you know, a strong character. In this one, he saves her, doesn't he? He does save her, but he's also much weaker. He's out of it, isn't he, at, at one point until he wakes back up again and grabs onto his leg and it's like a toddler grabbing onto the dad's leg as he's still trying to walk into the living room just to have two minutes apiece. Yeah, I'd say the climax of this movie is really where the Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff shines through. It's almost like he's saying, oh, I wish I were doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, well, yeah. I'll do it anyway. So Laurie and Lindsay, they head out to the house to drop her back with Annie after she ditched her with Laurie so that Annie could go fuck Paul. And then they find Daniel Harris and she's all cut up and everything, but she's still alive. There's like a chase scene eventually. Michael, for some unknown reason, kidnaps Laurie because he's not a slasher all of a sudden. He's a kidnap. And they did this with Friday the 13th in 2009 when they did that reboot. He collected people, which makes as much fucking sense as it does here, as in absolutely none. Again, it's something that Leatherface is probably more likely to do than Freddy or uh, or Jason or Michael. Yes, that weird humanising thing, though, as well, isn't it, where he actually shows the picture of him and her as kids. She doesn't know any of this, so it's weird. It's just this random scary guy showing him a picture of some random people. Um, yeah, and it doesn't make any sense to do it because she doesn't know and she doesn't find out for the rest of the film. We already know, so I kind yeah. of I feel like it's a bit irrelevant. It's not really needed. It doesn't progress anything because she doesn't know. And we no, do. I, it adds nothing to the story apart from explaining why, in some ways, he would actually kidnap her rather than actually stab the shit out of her like he would have done in the original. Is clearly he knows the relationship between them, but she's got no idea. Well, he's killed the rest of his family. So, if, I mean, and she's not grown up to be any better than them, to be fair. So <laughs> I doubt he would have, she would have lived that long with him anyway. But Loomis ends up tracking him down and shoots him three times. Three times. Well, it is a 357 Magnum. And then you get the false ending. And this is where we do see the true difference between Jamie Lee Curtis and, Tyler, and Scout Tyler, uh, Taylor Compton. Jamie yeah. Lee would never deliver the line the way that she does in, in the car. Was that the boogeyman? Even Loomis looks yeah, like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Like We can cut, like, we can cut that out in the edit, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even Loomis looks like, yeah, he does. He looks exactly like that. Like, sh should we cut? And he's like, 
as a matter of fact. Actually, should we cut? No, we're going to keep going. I think it was. Like, Jamie Lee would never deliver a line. I mean, like, when she she delivers that exact line in the original, and it can feel the terror in her voice. You know, I think a lot of acting in the original is hammy and corny, but not Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she does a great job from start to finish with that movie. I agree. I mean, I'm not just hating on scout taylor compton she's like she might be really good in other stuff and she's not given a great deal of characterization to work with in this movie you know maybe she got a lot better but in this i, I don't think she's great in this movie i mean she's really young in this though so may, you know maybe give her a pass but to that end loomis then gets attacked by michael because there's got to be a fourth act in horror movies like these days you can't just have three acts anymore and then another chase into the house which looks very texas chainsaw massacre and then michael tackles her through a door through a wall, off a balcony, onto the floor, and doesn't kill her. Bit different. I, yeah, I mean, how does that not kill? I mean, he's a seven-foot behemoth with supernatural powers and psychotic tendencies that just took three bullets and survived. I can live with him surviving that fall, but she should not have survived that fall. I mean, she lands on him, maybe, that's it. But to that end, she has the gun and shoots him in the head. And then we get a close-up of her laughing hysterically whilst covered in blood. And Trist, do you, would you care to venture a guess at what other movie ends with the final girl drenched in blood laughing hysterically? Oh, I think you might have mentioned it a few times. Once or twice. Chainsaw Massacre, maybe? What? How did you guess that? I would never... do, 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 do you know what? I've never seen it, but telepathic. That's what it it's is. The ex- it's the exact... I mean, not not with the gun thing, but that shot of, you know, the girl drenched in blood and laughing hysterically, exactly how Sally Hardesty ends the film in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I didn't get it for this film. That that whole ending, it, it didn't fit with what we sort of built up. Obviously, the original, he drops off a balcony, we see him there, and then he's gone. We've got that, that wonder about what, what's going to happen with this one. That whole ending of her laughing hysterically, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't really like yeah. it, but there's I wasn't invested in the character. Yeah. Maybe that's why. I'm not, not sure what the alternate, alternate ending it. I don't know. Um, I forgot. It was on the theatrical, but it's been that long since I've seen the theatrical cut. It probably was when, when it came out in theatres about 14 years ago. I can't remember it, but it, it matters not. But that's Halloween 2007, the Rob Zombie remix. Trist, what do you think in comparison to the original? Because that's what we have to compare it to. Yeah, of course. I mean, overall, I actually like this movie. It Me is too. a movie of two halves. I like... As most films are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like... Well, only if you sort of like live in Peniston and they actually have an interval in the middle of your movie where you can get ice creams. That does still happen. That's such an old thing. But it's amazing. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of this one, the first half of this movie, I do really, really like. It's a different take on it. We've got some substance to Michael. It's nice. Plays to everything. That... It's not nice. There's nothing nice about this movie. It's a no, horrible it's... fucking... <laughs> it's you know nasty. what I mean? It's, it's nice nasty it plays shit. into my, my need for substance yeah, and my need for a backstory and really to understand it's why somebody is real. doing something. It's not even about reality it's more about i've got something to attribute yeah, the reality to. Sense. So, yeah something makes sense of it rather than just this happens in this movie well that would never happen why does it happen and we've had that a lot in the earlier movies of, of this franchise whereas this one i like that backstory i like the fact that they pay attention to michael's story and stuff like that i know a lot of people didn't really like it it wasn't met with. Yeah, do you do you understand now that you've seen it? Because I know that you didn't know that this film was as polarizing as it is. 
no, having not seen at all. it, do, do you understand why people hate it? Uh, yeah, I get if you're a purist about it and you absolutely love the whole concept of Michael Myers as it was, I get why it would be... With the, mis- you know, with the mystery with and everything, mixed, yeah. Yeah, mixed messages, you know, and you know, mixed feelings uh, around how it's portrayed. I personally, I like it. Uh, when it comes to the second half of the movie, not so much. Uh, and I think the second half, it pays a lot of attention to the way that the first one does there's a lot of poor writing a lot of poor casting in terms of Laurie she's not a great character in this one so it is literally two halves I'm not set on the ending uh, as much as I was on the first one I like the ending of the first one in the fact that there was the mystery there and I know that polarizing thing with the mystery but at the end of the first one we saw the demise of Michael but then he was gone that you knew there was something to follow there was potentially more to come with this one, the ending of the hysterical laughing and stuff just didn't didn't fit for me. Overall, decent movie. Did enjoy it. It held my attention. So I guess I've got to give it a rating, haven't I? Go for it. Yeah, I'm a bit torn on this one. So I, I'm going to give it quite a positive one. I'm going I'm going to give it another like the last one, a seven out of ten because it was watchable. I quite enjoyed it. I really like this movie. I like a lot of people do shit on this movie, and I don't really know why. I know you say purists might want it, but would anybody really have wanted a shot-for-shot remake of the original movie in two thousand and seven with all that corny stuff? Would it have worked? No, no, no it wouldn't. Not, not, not even close. I think that's why I was pleasantly surprised by it because I was expecting, knowing it was a remake, I was expecting this to be shit. This, I was expecting this to be the Jackie Chan Karate Kid. You know, yeah. where it's just nothing. Or the Creed movies after the Rocky, you know, which are just slightly differential awesome. remakes. They're great films in themselves, but they're not Rocky, are they? And that's that's sort of what I was expecting with this one. I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. It was a pleasant surprise for me. So my final thoughts on this one. John Carpenter told Rob Zombie to make this his own when he found out that Rob Zombie was remaking his movie. And he did. He didn't quite remake make it his own. He made it into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But <laughs> I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is in my top two horror movies of all time. So it's not that really big of a deal for me. And the thing about Rob Zombie is he's a huge horror fan. Like, fucking huge. It seeps into every port of his life, his image, his music, his movies, even his fucking name. As if he didn't realize, Zombie is not his birth name. So he's a horror fan. And this is a love letter to the horror genre for horror fans. He didn't want to do some basic shot-by-shot wank fest like the Psycho remake or Poltergeist. He wanted to do something different. So we get the gore. We get a lot more gore. More gore than any previous Halloween movie in the franchise. And the kills were far less corny. We lost a lot of the suspense. Not all of it, but it was replaced with unrelenting brutality, which was very welcome. There's a lot of old school horror actors in this movie that really made me mark out. Like when I saw uh, Ken Foray and Bill Mosley in the theatrical version, Dee Wallace and Sid Hagen, even Udo Kier has a really small cameo in it and a bunch of others. It's, it's fan service, but it's not fan service in the way that some remakes do where they just suffocate you in nostalgia to get as much money as they can. Rob Zombie's Halloween, there's very little nostalgia or fan service. And like I say, I know some hate this movie, because it's so different than the original. It takes a lot away from the mystery of Michael Myers, and it leaves nothing to the imagination. There's an hour of backstory, and we see Michael talking a whole lot. Some love it, some hate it. I quite like it. 
I don't hold the original in as high esteem as a lot of other people do. I think the original is a damn good slasher movie, but not an all-time great. It's it's not even the best John Carpenter horror movie for me. There's at least two better John Carpenter horror movies in The Thing and In the Mouth of Madness, which will be a controversial statement, um, <laughs> which, but it's a great movie. That's not to say this movie is perfect or even better than the original. I find that any Rob Zombie attempt to write characters absolutely laughable. Almost every car- character he's ever written is a piece of shit. It's Firefly Trilogy. It works because it's its own self-contained universe. It's almost got Tarantino vibes to it. But in Halloween, it blurs the lines a little bit too much. Up until Michael kills Danny Trejo, he's the hero of the movie. Yeah. Everyone he's killed, you feel like... The, you, you mentioned it way early in the review. You feel like every character up until that point deserves it. The stepdad, the sister, the rapists... It doesn't do a great job of convincing me that he's evil, just disturbed. And what they did with Laurie and Annie, in the original, the cheeky, but you can clearly see that they're good kids and they're good-natured. That's why you root for Laurie throughout the entire movie. Laurie Strode, in this movie, I didn't give two shits if she survived or not. She was an arsehole. She called people retards, and she's crass and just all-round unlikable. And I'm not saying that's a trait of the actress. It's a trait of the fucking writing I found Worst myself final like, girl so far yeah I, I found myself liking annie way more but that was only because i love danielle harris and i think she's a great actress and i think that is what holds this movie back from greatness it's got brutality it's got good backstory and for the most part the movie feels really fresh but the characters are just such dicks that i never really fear for them and more often than not i'm rooting for michael just to kill them but that being said I watched this movie probably about as much as I do the original. It's got everything you could want from a fresh take on Halloween. I think if this movie had the characterization of the original, it would be better. But rating. Oh, I don't have the balls to rate this higher than the original for fear that when people... <laughs> See, I have, no issue. I have no issues with that. I'm going to rate it equal to the original and give it seven lovable Danny Trejos out of ten. And that's that's what it, it will get. Uh, same as you, same as you. But if this is the, I think I rated the original seven. I would give this. We are into into new territory here because we have agreed far too much on this franchise. And I think, as we said in the last episode of the podcast, we pretty much disagree on everything in life in most cases. But especially yeah. when it comes to horror movies. But when it comes to this franchise, we've agreed way too much, and especially on this one as well. There's so much that we've agreed on. Very yes. little that we've actually argued about, which yeah, is, I think it's going to take some bring on the randomizer. Yeah, yeah it's bring on the randomizer budget franchises for us to really start disagreeing on stuff. So, guys, let us know what you think about Rob Zombie's Halloween in the comments below. Let us know what you think about our opinions. I get the feeling there's going to be some varying opinions. Absolutely, to us liking this movie as much as the original. So. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you can get all the latest content. This movie, this will go out as a podcast on Spotify and other places as well. What should we do next week? Oh, would it, would it be like Halloween 2 again? You know, it might just be Halloween 2. It might just be. Again. But do you a know very... what? I have more high hopes going into Halloween 2, take you know. 2, than I did about watching this one after the... I think you said it best, the abortion of the previous ones that we've we've watched. So, you know what? After yeah. this one, 
I'm quite looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting into it. So, uh, yeah. I'm looking Let, forward to hearing. I'm very much looking forward to hearing what you think about it. I've got my own opinions on that movie. Um, but, yeah, guys, don't forget to tune in. Check it out. I've been Damien. And I've been Tris. We have been E by Gore. City.